you're tucked in. Cause you are now in bed with Dr. Sue. Hello, folks. This is In Bed with Dr. Sue, and I'm your host, Sue Storm, along with my co host, Ashley Jill. Hello, Ashley. Hello. <laughs> so, um, what do we do? You're, this is really echoey. It's very loud. <laughs> I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello, everybody. Hopefully you can hear me. I just got booted out of my own show. So um, that was really fun. (laughs) Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Anyways, uh, we're here to discuss a very important subject that has caused an enormous amount of turmoil in the adult industry, and more so the ladies who are really in the trenches, such as escorts and our street ladies. But even beyond what has happened in the sex industry, FOSTA has much larger implications, such as the eroding away of your right to free speech, censorship, and the invasion of privacy. I would normally start with shout-outs and birthdays, but in light of the importance of tonight's topic, I've decided to forego them until the end of the show when we'll do birthdays and DomCon LA and, of course, Dr. Sue's Erotic Book Club. But um, we're going to start off tonight. We are fortunate to be joined by adult entertainment attorney Dr. Michael Federosi. Mr. Federosi will explain the implications of this law on every sector of the industry because this affects you whether you are online or off. So stay tuned. For those of you who are completely in the dark, and that is most of the population, I'm sure, I'm going to do a quick overview of these laws so you have a bit of background before we talk to Mr. Federosi. Um, In as big of a nutshell as I can give this to you, this law started out as SESTA, which is the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act which was tabled in the Senate in an attempt to change Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. That section gave safe harbor or immunity to website owners, including those who are user-generated, like Backpage and Craigslist. You can think of things like um, Kijiji. Anything that's got ads and stuff like that is considered user-generated. And that just means that they can't be prosecuted for what activity is taking place on their sites. So by changing Section 230, they could then allow states and victims to prosecute web owners for what goes on on their sites. So in other words, Backpage and Craigslist owners are now responsible for what's going on. So where did FOSTA come from in all of this? Well, FOSTA is Allow States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. The only real difference is that FOSTA is the House's version of SESTA. So you had the Senate's version, SESTA, House's version, FOSTA. So what they did was they combined the two of them together to make FOSTA-SESTA. SESTA received support when it first was tabled from everybody. It was bipartisan. Um, it included the backing of the Internet Association, which is a lobby, sorry, lobbying group that handles the interests, okay, keep making a mental note of this, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, just to name a few. So there's your FOSTA-SESTA 101. 
in a nutshell. It's obviously a lot more complicated than that, but that's the easiest way for you guys to figure it out. Now, on March 23rd of this year, another law was signed. And attached, because it was signed in, but it was attached to another bill. So it was really, really quietly slid past most of the major media. And that's the Cloud Act. Again, in a nutshell, the Cloud Act is another culmination of several different bills that didn't get any congressional backing and died. Essentially, what happened was the FBI had a case involving Microsoft where they needed information for a particular case, but the information was being stored on one of Microsoft's servers in Ireland. Um, the FBI grabs a warrant based on what they could use, which was the Shared Communications Act, and Microsoft came back saying it didn't have to turn over the data because the Shared Communications Act was written before the invention of cloud computing, therefore it didn't fall under the law. So enter our good old, old, old friend Orrin Hatch. He works with Microsoft to create the Cloud Act. So what is that? It basically states that the United States data and communications companies must provide stored data for United States citizens on any server they own and operate when, registered, when requested by a warrant. So that, can, that means anywhere. So your, the server can be anywhere. They can be in Ireland. They can be wherever. Now, that can be challenged by the country that the data is stored in based on their privacy rights. So what Mr. Faderosi is going to show us and tell us is how this all started a long time ago, more than you guys think. And for those of you thinking this has nothing to do with me, you're wrong. The impact of this legislation has only just begun. Let's start with sweeping changes and enforcement of terms of service by some of the big Internet companies that started just prior to FOSTA becoming law. Uh, our friends at, oh, look, there they are again, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook, among others. What they did was they began widespread enforcement of their terms of service, banning any adult material of any kind. The biggest issue that's hitting the online industry right now is Microsoft's proposed May 1st changes or actually enforcement of terms of service to platform, platforms such as Skype. Um, somehow they are planning to monitor this. They are, you, they're going to be monitored for any sexual acts or any offensive language. Um, it will mean if caught you are banned across all of, platform, all of Microsoft's platforms, including Xbox and Office and everything else. Um, that means that you're going to have to keep your Skype calls, your video chats, and your regular chats free from any sexting which means if you have a spouse overseas or working out of town, don't try and have a little cam fun, because starting May the 1st, you're going to be watched. Google started a widespread cleanup of its cloud service, such as Google Drive, of any offensive or sexual pictures and scripts. Some women who shared their photos via Google Drive with clients have now found their photos are gone. So if you have pics of your wife or your neighbor's wife or somebody, you might want to save them and get them off the cloud. So this has also trickled down, although this is not FOSTA generally, directly FOSTA related, this is showing you how much this is being infiltrated. Um, the trickle down all the way to Walmart. Walmart, after being pressured by anti-porn groups, 
has chosen to remove Cosmopolitan magazine from the checkout area, and they're only going to offer it on the magazine racks now. And last year, in and around August, Nook chose to remove all erotica from its site, which I don't know if you guys know, but Nook is like, I think it's Barnes & Noble. Nook. Anyways, they've decided to dump that. So if you're still wondering how you fit into all of this, I suggest you start to watch movies such as The Hunger Games, because if you think I'm being dramatic, you're wrong. Your rights are being eroded. Free speech, privacy, even your rights against unlawful search and seizure are being played with now. Um, And this is how it starts. Little by little, they chip away more and more. It starts with the words fake news and just continues to roll. But don't put all the blame on Cheeto. This goes way back before Captain Creamsicle. So although I have received a ton of backlash from the work I've been doing to help the sex worker community, even from within the community, which is kind of disappointing, um, including being told that the petition that we were trying to circulate, the one that's on whitehouse.gov about repealing this law, um, I was actually told that it was stupid because it was essentially written by a man. You guys are looking at the microcosm. This isn't working. You guys need to pull back. You're not what you're, you need to pull back and look at the bigger picture. Even pull the whole sex thing out of this and realize you are being told what you can and cannot do, see, watch, speak, and read. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that very unsettling. Now, one more thing that I want to quickly address before we bring in Mr. Federosi, and that has become this issue of infighting. Ladies and gentlemen, I am getting really tired of BDSM thinking it's better than escorts who think they're better than the ladies on the street. Sex workers think that no one else in the industry understands them. Dominatrices dominatrixes think they are untouchable and that because they may or may not have sex with their clients, this somehow has nothing to do with them. Let me just tell you something. Whether you ride the pole, hit the corners or the clubs, spank someone or just take their money, if you are in any way facilitating the execution of sexual stimulation for money, you are a sex worker. So let's stop the division, because that's what they want, division. Haven't you noticed that trend? Why? Because when you divide, you conquer. So this isn't the time for trying to one-up your fellow performer, because ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you do, from phone sex to street sex to porn to cam, you are a performer. We are all performers, and we are all in this together. And this is not the time for petty bullshit. Now, if you have a question for Mr. Federosi, I suggest just hold off a little bit. We've got a ton of people on the phones. Number is 657-383-0031. We are going to take a quick break. If you're having trouble in the chat room, just refresh the page. And when we come back, we will be with Mr. Michael Federosi. Perfection does exist, and my name is Mistress Kiara. I've been a professional dominatrix for over 12 years, so I know all of the right buttons to push to make you melt for me. I'm well known for my love of blackmail, hypnosis, and financial domination. 
But my other favorite fetishes include foot worship, impact play of any kind, specification and feminization, anal training, bondage, humiliation, including small penis humiliation, cock and ball torture, forced intoxication, chastity and key holding, tease and denial, and fetish wrestling and boxing. Serve me in person in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, or on my website, mrstiarsdungeon.com, where I offer phone, cam, and instant messaging sessions, as well as over 100 clips for you to purchase. What are you waiting for? Whether you'd like to explore the idea of becoming a phone sex operator, or are looking to begin or even expand your independent phone sex business, Lynn of Phone Sex Secrets can help. Phone Sex Secrets offers help and advice for PSOs, including articles on everything from Phone Sex 101 and industry news to marketing to how to build your business. White papers are available for purchase and immediate download, including the exclusive Phone Sex Secrets caller survey results, in which nearly 5,000 paying phone sex clients answer questions designed to help you drive your business. Personalized consultation services are also available. Lynn has been featured on Chicago's WGN Radio, ABC's Good Morning America, and elsewhere. She's ready to stand behind you and teach you how to become a phone sex superhero. You can find Lynn on Twitter at Phone Sex Secrets. That's at Phone Sex Secrets. And her website is phonesexsecrets.info. Again, that's phonesexsecrets.info. I am Siren Reina. I am a certified and trained hypnotist. This means that I embed all of my recordings with legitimate hypnotic commands. Now, role-playing can be fun, and I enjoy a good story as much as the next person. But if you really want to please me, you will hand me over the keys to your mind and let me do what I do so well. Leave little triggers, leave little thoughts, leave little hauntings, and make you question your reality. How much of it is you? How much of it is me? How much of it do you want to be me? You want to hand me your mind, don't you? You want to let go, feel free. Have fun and relax. That's right. Hand me the keys to your mind and let yourself be my hypnotic pet. That's right. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Siren Reina. S-Y-R-E-N-R-A-Y-N-A Enjoy being addicted. Yo, this is K2 Cocky, and you're in bed with Dr. Sue. Now go and check out my album on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Cocky Got Bars. That's Cocky Got Bars with a Z. Check it out. It's called Spice Cadet. It's my best album. Just know I got that cake. And I like that. Dude. In bed, listeners, please welcome Mr. Michael Fatorosi to the show. Thank you, sir. We all appreciate you coming to the show to sort out some of what's happened anyways. Hi. How are you? Am I on? You are on. You are on. I am on. 
Very, very interesting commercials. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Michael, listen, you wrote an article on your website, adultbizlaw.com, and it was sort of going over how this all started about eight years ago. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I, do your listeners want to know who I am first? <laughs> go for it. Yes. Well, I figure everybody so knows who you are in this business, but go no, right ahead. No, no. No, I, I wish that was the case, but not sure. I've been doing this. I've been doing adults for 14 years. Um, I've been an attorney for 20. I'm licensed in the state of California, and I'm originally from the East Coast in New Jersey. But I've been concentrating in adult probably now for almost 10 years, meaning that 90 to 100% of my clients are all within the adult industry. And what I mean by adult industry, um, I – cover everything from escorts to dating sites to production companies to porn stars. Um, some of your viewers may have heard of AVN. Uh, mm-hmm. do the show in January in Las Vegas. I'm AVN's attorney. Um, for a while, they, I was Exotica's attorney. So I've been, I've been doing this for a while, and it's uh, something that I also specialize in. And I also specialize in, in sex workers and escorts. Um, you guys may have heard of a lawsuit a couple of years ago uh, where I and a couple of other attorneys sued the Erotic Review and David Elms on the mm-hmm. behalf of an escort. So this is very familiar territory for me. It's not something that you know I just jumped into because FOSTA. It's not something that I'm unfamiliar with. It's something that I live, breathe, eat, and sleep, basically. So it's, it's my... Uh, so it's my you know your stuff, and that's why we wanted you here. Well, because there really isn't lawyer, a lot of lawyers that specialize in adult, right? No, there isn't. There's, there's a handful of us, and, and there's little sub-niches. I mean, there's, there's First Amendment guys. Um, there's uh, people who represent uh, massage parlors and, and gentlemen's clubs and they do more zoning type of stuff. I'm more or less, because I'm in Los Angeles, my specialty is more adult entertainment. I'm sort of like an entertainment attorney, but with adult thrown on. And because I've been around performers and porn stars for most of my career, it's also trickled over into the escorting and dating site and escort sites. Um, One of my clients that is now gone was my provider guide. So... Ah, Represented in seven years. And I was involved with the uh, U.S. Senate uh, Subcommittee on Human Trafficking investigation into Backpage. I was actually interviewed several times by uh, subcommittee investigators on Backpage. So I'm I'm very familiar with this. Very interesting, yes. Yeah. So, and the article that you referred to, yeah, I wrote that because – I really wanted people to put this into perspective. I know FOSTA-SESTA is sort of a wake-up call to a lot of people, but it's been going on for much longer than that. Um, this mo- and I called my, my article the most recent attack. I mean, you know, we can go back to room service and, and those busts 15 years ago, but now we're talking about what's been happening over the last eight years. And in the article, I talk about really the first part of this is Craigslist in 2010. And that's when Craigslist sort of got hit for their ads. And they had issues with uh, 
with getting billing. And then in 2011, the government moved on to escorts.com out of Philadelphia. And then in two thousand, and then they took a couple of year break. I'm not really sure why, but in 2014, they moved to Redbook. And then in 2015, they moved to Redboy. And in 2016, they went to the review board. And then in 16 also was the first round of back page uh, prosecutions. And then most recently, about six months ago, they hit arrows.com. So if you start putting this in perspective, this is an ongoing war against online escorting and prostitution and sex workers. It's my feeling, in my opinion, that the government wants to clean the Internet of this entire area of free speech, of sex. And it doesn't – it starts with this particular area, but I don't think they're going to stop there. I don't think Mm -mm. that this is just about online escorting. Um, I don't think this is about human trafficking at all. Anytime no, I don't either. Gov- and I told this to somebody. said, anytime you hear the government say, we need to save the children, okay, <laughs> whether that's <laughs> yes. that because they're trafficking victims or because of pornography or because of guns or because they're being gassed in Syria, there is an ulterior motive. They're using the children to take away rights because it's so hard for anybody to argue against protecting the children. Right. And so this is – FOSTA SESTA is the latest salvo in that war, and they finally have what they want. And I think and, – and I think I got this from your list actually. You know, We're up to 32, 33, 35 websites about online escorting that have just gone down or they've changed dramatically, or they block U.S. traffic. So just the fear of FOSTA-SESTA is causing a, a seismic shift in the Internet. And they haven't even prosecuted one person with FOSTA-SESTA. And there's a part of me that wonders if they will, because it's such a badly written law, and it is subject to constitutional challenge. I was going to say that. Is it not subject to constitutional challenge? Like, it just, oh, it, because it's so poorly written. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you saw Backpage go down when they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, make no mistake that this is a coordinated effort, and the reason why they took Backpage down before FOSTA was signed was so they couldn't file a challenge. Because honestly... You know, ACLU is not coming to the rescue. EFF not coming to the rescue. Backpage was the site that had the money and the lawyers, the constitutional lawyers, to fight this. Uh, Bob, right. Bob, Corn, Bob Corn Revere and another gentleman, uh, excellent First Amendment attorneys, they could have taken on FOSTA. But with taking down Backpage when they did, and not only did they take down Backpage, they cut a deal with the CEO. And if you look at the if you look at the deal that they cut, one of the very interesting things is because he is the CEO, he had control of the money. And right. he for he forfeited to the government all of the attorney funds in all of the different attorney client trust accounts, keeping that away from his partners to use to mount a defense or to file a challenge against FOSTA. So this is not haphazardly done. 
right. you know, that's that's what people have to realize. And and the fact that the Cloud Act was snuck in on the 23rd, okay, mm-hmm. you've got SB 1204 that's coming up in California where they just pushed it right. back for a week today. All that you can start to see here is a coordinated attack effort on online prostitution, sex workers. This is the beginning. Where it will go, I don't think anyone knows. I don't think anyone has that answer. But this is certainly not the first step, but it is the most poignant step over the last eight years. Well, explain to people why, because it, like I've had, believe it or not, I've run into this, and that is, okay, so we took down Backpage. Okay, congratulations, it's now gone. We've now cleaned up the Internet. Congratulations, it's all done. But how does this affect sex workers? Because a lot of people don't understand how. They're like, oh, well, we cleaned up sex trafficking. Everything's fine. Well, what did I, it do? I mean, I'm I'm not the one to, to tell sex workers how not having Backpage has affected their lives. I mean, you know, I, I can tell you from representing my provider guide that mm-hmm. as soon as TER and Backpage went down, the traffic dried up. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happened with a lot of the other sites. They were basically sitting there seeing whether or not it was worthwhile to stay within this, this niche. And the amount of traffic driven by those two sites made it not worthwhile. And so mm-hmm. – you know, as far as it ha- how it affects their life, I, you know, I, I really hate to talk to that because I'm, that's not my place to talk to. I, I you know, I, I see it on, on Twitter. Women are being driven into the streets. They're being driven in the clubs. They're being driven in the massage parlors. They're being put at risk. They're being put at much higher levels of risk before Backpage went. And, and that is not something the government cares about. They don't care about the sex worker. You know, Nor by doing law what they're doing. What? Nor does law enforcement. Um. Actually, I I think you really have good things with that with law enforcement, really. Well, you know, I I've done my fair share of prostitution cases, and you know, I've come across bad cops and I've come across good cops. Um, you know, I don't see them being the zealots that some of the people who are behind FOSTA are. Um, they're just there to do a job. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to excuse behavior because there's a lot of bad cops. And there's a lot of great cops. But they, they're following orders, you know, and they're trying to do a job. And what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, the federal government's now feeding local law enforcement extra money based upon sex trafficking. This is the new war on drugs. So, ah, okay. Yeah, and I follow the money. Seen, well, that that's what it is. It's all about money. Yeah. Because we're not really concerned about drugs. I mean, we care about the opioids. We don't really care about pot anymore. And so, literally, we have to find a way to give cops money because cops have to make money. And this right. is a way they do it. In some of the defense cases I've worked on prostitution, the cops will lie on their reports to say somebody is 17. Because if they show to the government that they that they've saved the seventeen year old, they get extra money for that. So okay. there there is some of that going on. But you know, getting back to what I was saying before is and I know what you want me to talk about is the wide ranging effect of FOSTA. Okay. Yeah. We we don't know yet how this is going 
kind of work. You know, we mm-hmm. just today I, I tweeted about the first civil case involving FOSTA up in Massachusetts with three victims, okay? Okay. You know, to a certain extent, I believe that may be more of an issue than the criminal aspect of it. And people may go, well, I get sued. It's not that big of a deal. But, you know, it's a lot easier to be sued than it is to be criminally prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Agreed. There's, there's only so many cops. There's only so many FBI agents. There's only so many people that work in Department of Homeland Security. And with FOSTA, they were able to take out 30 sites without doing anything. And they took out the biggest site to create the wave of fear. Right. And now what they're hoping, what they're hoping, and basically what they've done is they've turned every attorney in the country into what we call a private attorney general. So that person can go to an attorney and say, hey, I had, you know, there was an ad up of me. It was on, you know, one of the remaining sites. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like that. And now, the, now you've got a wave of litigation coming from attorneys against sites. And that could be more crippling than a prosecution. A lot easier. And because these sites, okay, so how much safety do these sites have? Because many of them shifted and moved offshore and went wherever, as long as they were in another country. But does the Cloud Act not kind of screw that? Well, here's what I tell everybody websites and servers don't go to jail and they don't get sued. People go to jail and people get sued. And if you are doing business in the United States online, you have to comply with U.S. law. Otherwise, it's very easy. You just block all U.S. traffic, and then you don't have to worry about it. But if you're doing business here, you have to comply with all of our laws. And if you are living here and you move your website offshore, that hasn't really given you any benefit. You know, okay. people think that it's people think it's difficult to find people because their website may be offshore. Ultimately, it could be. It makes it more tricky, but you can eventually find somebody because, especially in, a, in, in an industry like this, okay, everybody knows everybody, and so it's very difficult to to say, you know. To, to really hide behind an offshore location. So if you're a website owner, if, if you're someone who's thinking about starting up the next back page and you live in the United States, not a good idea, okay? And if you notice with Backpage, they took all of their domains. They just didn't seize the U.S. domain. They seized all of them. So if the government wants you, the government's going to get you, and that's what it comes down to. So it really comes down to what level of risk you're okay with. And there are some people out there, as you can tell, the guys from Backpage, you know, they were prosecuted last year or 2016, and they said, okay, we're making enough money. We're willing to take the risk. But now him pleading guilty to trafficking, does that not now set a huge precedence? You know, I'm not that familiar with his, with his plea. Um, I'll I'll take you on your face that 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 he did plead guilty to trafficking. I'm sure it was a plea no, deal of some kind. No, it was a plea deal, but I don't yeah. remember what he pled to. 
I don't think right. it was trafficking, but I didn't read his plea agreement word for word. Um, what I was most interested in is that they got the CEO to flip and testify against his partners. Usually you start on the lower level people and you get them yeah. to flip against the CEO. They started with the CEO as working their way down, which is amazing. But they gave him, I think he has like five years. He doesn't really have that much time. Um, but I don't think he pled to traffic. And, and, and again, Backpage's bust shows that FOSTA and SESTA were never necessary, John, without ever touching FOSTA or SESTA. So then what's the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of it is to scare everyone, to get them to, to stop what they're doing, take their websites down, stop working as an escort, go get an Oh, and look, job. it did. It, it worked. <laughs> it's it working, worked. yes. It's, it's, it's working, working real, real good. Listen, so let's – okay. Would Backpage then not – with Backpage gone, does that not screw up local law enforcement and what have you in trying to find these human traffickers and then force them further underground and onto the dark web? Sure. Absolutely that's going to. But they're just going to move there, – there was another article that I tweeted about from Utah where the Utah cops are saying, well, we're just going to move to the dating sites or the dating apps because that's, that's where the escorts are going to move. So wherever the escorts move to, the police are going to move to, and they're still going to do their things. And so, you know, where they do their thing, it doesn't really matter that it's backpage. They're still going to do those things. They're not going to give up their jobs. You know, they're not going to say, well, we don't have backpage anymore. There's nothing for us to do. Let's pack it up and go home. They're not. They're just going to move. And now what they're getting, even more so, is – you know, prostitution used to be a local type of, of issue, okay? Mm-hmm. It used to be an issue that was handled by local cops or even vice units. Now we have national task force on prostitution because of human trafficking. So there was an article that I, that I tweeted today going back to October of last year, how massage parlors were busted, how the FBI is working with local law enforcement to create these task force. And that's exactly what they do. And what people have to realize is there's FBI agents all over your local police. Not if you live in you know, a small town with five cops, but if you live in probably a city with more than 100 or 200,000 people, they're working right along with the FBI and the DOJ and Homeland Security. And I know this because I represent an offshore entity, uh, a dating site, and we have 6 million members. And I constantly – get requests from different law enforcement agencies, DOJ, FBI, Homeland Security, local police, and they're always asking for records. They're always asking for people's profile information. Now, getting into the Cloud Act, you know, one of the things that's great about this company is they don't have any U.S. offices. And so mm-hmm. I've, always, I've always made DOJ, FBI, local police – abide by MLAT procedures, right? mutual legal assistance treaty procedures, which the Cloud Act kind of gets around a little bit now because none of the cops, except for the FBI, none of them ever wanted to deal with MLAT. And so well, because it takes so we, long, right? It takes so long. Right. And what MLAT is, you know, most cops don't realize that subpoenas just aren't good anywhere, okay? And And mm. – you know, subpoenas have a, jurisdic- a jurisdictional limit based upon the court that issued it. So 
a court in North Carolina can't subpoena somebody from California. A court in North Carolina can issue a subpoena, which they transmit to a an officer in in California, who then goes to court and or he issues his own subpoena, really, because subpoenas don't require judges. Search warrants do. And then they get a local search warrant, and to do that, to do a search or to ask for corporate records or business records in California. Well, the same thing works when you go out of the state or I mean, out of the country, except now you have to get the Justice Department and the State Department involved. And so it creates a lot of red tape, and, and, and no law enforcement officer wants to do this. And so what the Cloud Act is going to do now is it's going to make it a lot easier. So those people who believe that having an offshore account, an offshore email account, you know, are not as protected. What about things like you know, photon mail? Well, I mean, this is the thing. I, I've seen them claim, oh, we're in Switzerland. We're going to protect you. Well, here's the truth of the matter. They, under the Cloud Act, if the United States government cuts a deal with Switzerland for this type of information. And if you look to see, the European Union is also uh, lessening its privacy rights on its mm-hmm. people. You know, Europe used to be the uh, much more of a private uh, – they, they were much more protective of people's privacy than the U.S. ever was. And now they're right. starting to bring that down. So if the government uses its economic power to say to a country like, hey, we want you to enter into this agreement with us, well, if the country enters into the agreement, then yeah, Proton would have to go to court on your behalf to argue in Switzerland why they shouldn't be forced to give up your information. Okay. Now, I can tell you that's a – you know. I, I don't know Swiss law, not an international attorney, but I can tell you in the United States, we call that a motion to quash. And mm-hmm. you have to file with the court. You have to go in front of the court. And, you know, if this is a situation where, let's say, the United States government wanted a lot of information from Proton, and they serve them with 50 subpoenas, one a week, two a week, well, that's a lot of legal work for Proton. Mm-hmm. And a lot of money. Take, it's a huge amount of money. Okay. And so, what are they going to do? Are they going to fight every subpoena? Are they going to? And and under the Cod Act, they can't give you notice. They can't give the person who has the account notice that their information is being subpoenaed. So it's not even as though they can say to you, well, hey, listen, we're not, we're not going to fight this on your behalf. We just don't have the money. But if you want to hire a lawyer, here you go. You can hire a lawyer in Switzerland, and they can fight it on your behalf. So really, and if you go into the TOSs of most websites, it'll say something to the effect of we have the right to give your information if we're given a subpoena, if we're given a search warrant, or because we want to. And that's why reading these POSs are so important. Because And yet no one does. No, no one, one reads them. Nope, nobody does. I haven't read Proton's uh, TOS. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if you have an email address on there, you should probably find out how they handle international subpoenas according to their TOS. And if their TOS says, yeah. you know, we can give if we want, then 
I would worry about that. Exactly. What? So then you're not protected, clearly. You're not. You're not protected. You're not. You know, what you're doing is you're hoping that the people who run that website are ethical people that are willing to fight on your behalf because that's how they got you to to register with them. And so, you know, do you trust them is what it comes down to. Are they going to do what they say? And and this is true. You know, this is, you know, we've got arrows. We haven't even talked about arrows really being rated. You know, Mm -hmm. the government has all of that information that was on there. Right. So women who so if anybody anybody who's ever used Eros, they have everything. Yep. Exactly. Wow. And they haven't done anything to Eros yet. There's been no charges filed that I'm aware of. There's been no arrests. There's been just an information and still gathering. There. Uh I don't know if they closed that location or not. But they're still up they're and still running. Still on the internet. Obviously. Yes. But what is the government well, so doing with all that information? What does it do to industries that are kind of offshoots from escorting? So, in other words, things like phone sex and the clip industry, audios, erotica, BDSM, things like that that are sort of little offshoots, you would think, well, is it going to do anything to phone sex? Uh, it could. I mean, listen, here's the breath of FOSTA. It could be used for any website that is promoting or or facilitating prostitution. So if you're a phone sex operator and – or let's say you were an escort and now you're not on that. So you decide to put a profile up on on a phone sex company's website. Well, you can certainly use that to, to facilitate prostitution. Somebody calls you up, you know, and you can say, hey, are you in Denver? If you're in Denver. You know, we don't have to do this over the phone. I could do this in person. Right. You know, and and it's and it's the same thing with cam sites. It's the same thing with any website, basically, where there's the ability to interact between two human beings. Now, FOSTA will never be used against Twitter, will never be used against Facebook, because I'm sure to get this passed, there had to be some kind of handshake deal where – you know, this is why I wrote another article. And, and if you're listening, and there's a lot of information on my website, you can go there, read about it. I've, I've written article after article about this. But there's a, a website that we deal with, or, uh, there's a law that we deal with in adults called 18 U.S.C. 2257, which is a record-keeping compliance website. Right. That is a law that says you can't use minors in port. And before you shoot something, you better check their IDs to make sure they're adults. And you better keep those records so if the FBI ever thinks that you did shoot somebody who's a minor, they can come check your records. Right. Well, that's a, that's a law that's never been enforced really against anyone. There's one person who was prosecuted, and they pled out, Joe Francis from Girls Gone Wild. Right. But it has been – 2257 has been the bane of the adult industry for decades now. Mm-hmm. And they, they use it, and they wave it around. Like oh you could you could be inspected at any time so you have to keep these records and you have to know what you're doing because if you don't you're looking at a felony for every mistake and could FOSTA be that law for this sure it, it, FOSTA may never get prosecuted who knows at this point but the problem is just because it's there you got to pay attention to it because 
if you don't and you don't monitor your websites and if you're a cam site and you're not monitoring the profiles and you're not monitoring the cam shows or if you have forms and you're not monitoring your forms or if you have comment sections and you're not monitoring your com- any way I mean you know I, I had a discussion with somebody you know they're like well how could this affect tube sites I said very easy I said I, I could be you know any porn star who also escorts or, or any woman could open up a channel on, let's say, Pornhub and mm-hmm. post videos. And somebody could come along, comment like, you're really hot. And the owner of that channel could post a comment back that says, hey, if you're in Denver, you know, you don't have to watch this on video. You can actually have me come to your hotel room. Right. And, and there's there's a, a way to facilitate and promote prostitution on a tube site. So it's every website, every single one that people could use. And that's what I anticipate happening. And that's what the college Well, now, what about happen. dominatrixes? They figure that because they're not having sex with their clients, that they aren't going to be subject to anything happening to them. That's completely wrong. It really depends, and I just wrote an article on this. It really depends on how the state you're in defines prostitution, okay? And since most dominatrix doms don't engage in penetrative sex, you know, they think that this isn't prostitution. Well, it really depends. You know, in most most jurisdictions, they are giving sexual pleasure for money, okay? You know what that sexual pleasure is. It, it's up to the individual. You know, I, <coughs> I, I used to play this what if with some of the younger attorneys in my firm when I had a big firm. You know, I would say, okay, is this prostitution? You go into a strip bar, you sit down in the VIP room, and the girl for twenty dollars gives you a hand job. And then, oh yeah, yeah, that's prostitution. And I'd say, okay, number two. You're sitting down in, in the in the VIP booth, and she's standing next to you. She's not touching you, but she has one of those grip vice things that you take off of shelves. The, the, and from across the room, she gives you a hand job. Mm-hmm. And now the person, now the young attorney goes, well, she's not touching you, but she is manipulating the device. And I said, well, mm-hmm. okay. And some would go, well, no, because she's not touching you. And some would go, well, yeah, because she's still doing something that makes you ejaculate. And then you take it to the next step, and you go, okay, there's a cam girl, and she has a device in her room, and you have a device in your room where she could perform oral sex on her teledildonic device, and you're receiving the pleasure on that from the other side. Is that prostitution? And almost everybody goes, no, 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 because it's over the Internet, and you're not in the same room. But really, according to several states, that could still be considered prostitution, and you don't even have to be in the same room. So when you talk about dominatrix, you have a situation where, you know, what is the sexual pleasure? And it depends on how the law defines it. And in some places, it may be okay, okay? And in some places, it may not be okay. And so what I tell everybody is, you know, if you're a dominatrix, you should talk to a local attorney. You know, I don't – I'm not an attorney that knows – every municipal code or every state code on what prostitution is. Um, So if you're in a particular state, you should probably talk to a criminal defense attorney that handles prostitution cases and really ask them. Because 
what ha- this is what happens in California in Los Angeles. So I've handled what are called escorting with no license cases. Mm-hmm. So there will be a thing, and cops will call everybody to the room. And if a girl shows up and says, yes, I'll have sex with you for a certain amount of money, that is prostitution. They have you. They've right. got the evidence tape. And if, a, and if a woman's smart enough and she shows up and she doesn't quite think something's right here, you know, she will actually go, well, I don't, I don't have sex for money. And they still arrest her because in Los Angeles we have a, a municipal code section that says you can't even show up and spend time with somebody unless you have an escort license through an escort agency. Reporting without a license, it carries the exact same penalty as prostitution. And so, you know, it confuses a lot of women because it's like, well, I I didn't say that I was going to do everything or anything or that I even did anything. And what they don't understand is is that in order just to spend time with somebody, you need to be licensed. It's the same thing with massage therapists. You know, why can't just the average person give a massage and charge for it? Well, because states require massage therapists to be licensed. And if you don't have a license, the first thing that they're going to assume is that you're probably somebody who is escorting or prostituting. So, you know, those are and, – and the same thing would apply to dominatrix. So if you're spending time with somebody, whether it's for, you know, verbal humiliation, small penis humiliation, don't even touch them. You don't, you don't do anything. There's nothing, no contact. There's no, there's no toys. There's no uh, – there's no whips, there's no canes, there's no floggers. You still could be busted for escorting without a license because you're spending time for money. So everybody has to really check with their local attorneys, their local uh, criminal defense guys to see what their local laws have to say. And that includes sugar babies. Now, I had a couple of questions here. There was one, um, what about personal assistance services? And another woman said she's created a sex worker app that is going to show them safe places and all kinds of stuff. Is that covered too? I guess it would be, wouldn't it? It's pretty much everything. Yeah, because anything that promotes prostitution or facilitates prostitution. Yeah, that's so. That's why. So even if so it's a safety issue, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, you know, listen to how you present your case in court. Okay. You know, and, and this is a part of the problem with SB 1204 in California because they because what happened was is with Backpage, when they tried to get them for the pending pandering charges, it got thrown out because there was right. no coercion. And so now they decided to rewrite the law to now include encouraging prostitution. Okay, so what is encouraging? You know, if I if I meet a woman or I know a woman or, or a man or a transsexual and I say, hey, you would make a wonderful escort, am I encouraging prostitution? Um, if you yeah. are a sex worker outreach program and you supply condoms to someone who you know is an escort, are you, are you encouraging, facilitating prostitution? Well, and so, Swap Sacramento just had to shut down their outreach services because it's considered pandering. Yeah, for that reason, know, I think that's going a bit far. I, you know, I agree, but it's um, at the same time, this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. People are going to get paranoid. Yeah, people are people are paranoid, and so yeah, yeah like and rightfully happen. so. Oh yes, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be afraid. Um, 
But I think there are things where something like Swap, I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, now if SB twelve oh four had been approved and is law, I would be concerned with that. I wouldn't be concerned with Foster or SESTA. I don't think the federal government is going to go after sex worker outreach programs. That would have such a immediate pushback from the public. Um, you know, whenever the government does something, they they always got to look at how the public reacts. And right. you know, here here they can sell it as, oh, we're helping sex, sex trafficking women, you know, victims and women and children. When you try to prosecute a, uh, a sex worker's outreach program, there's nothing good about that. There's just there, you True. can't spin that any way that makes the government look anything at all like they're trying to help anyone. So yeah, I don't think they would go that far. Um, but yeah, people, I mean, the people who are listening and the people who aren't that old and, and, and I, I'm by no means ancient. I'm, I'm only 48, you know, but I've been around for this industry long enough to realize we're, we're having a pendulum shift. Okay. And, you know, I, I remember the days of escorts being in, in, um, yellow pages, not on the internet. And so, That's right. you know, what we what we had was we we had a shift on the internet to where it, it's the wild wild west. You can go and you can watch free porn, and you can hire an escort, and you can watch fetish stuff, and it's all free and it's all there. And parents got tired of it. parents got very tired of having right. to monitor their kids' computers and what they're being exposed to. So on the porn side, we're seeing now a a push to create uh, legislation that says porn is a public health hazard. And on the right. escorting side, we've got FOSTA. And all of this ties together as a way to finally bring the Internet wild, wild west days to an end and to create a situation where only the big companies can do business on the Internet because, quite honestly, I mean, you know, if you were starting a cam company or, or any adult company today, you, you've got to monitor all of this. I mean, you've got to have people hired to watch your your models doing a cam show to make sure they're not trying to prostitute themselves. And it creates such an added cost to doing business that the smaller companies just can't do it. And that's what I think this is all about. I think this is all about getting us to the point of where the Internet is nothing more than, let's say, an Apple TV type of situation. Right. You know, you have certain channels, you know, the FCC controls it, net neutrality, they've just, you know, scaled back. And so all of this leads to a bunch of rich people want to control the Internet and not have to deal with the next IPO startup. Um, and there's a bunch of people that are fighting against it with the cryptocurrency. So, yeah, the First Amendment is, is very strongly welded into these fights, and it's all about controlling like what you said, what you can see, what you can read, what you can hear, what you can do, bringing the Internet in. I mean, I, I remember that, and again, I'm not that old, but I remember the days of cable TV where, you know, they would have um, the – what what were they called? The um, the channels, the, the local community channels. Yeah, the, anybody the Channel could, 10, the community programming channels, yes. Yeah, but you could also at a certain time at night create adult content for those channels, and they really couldn't do anything against it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you go back far enough into the 70s in New York, and a lot of those programming, the Robin Bird and, and the, the Screw Magazine, they all had shows. And 
you know, that was a staple of cable TV. They would always have these one or two channels on a night where you could have, like, sexy programming. They they couldn't show intercourse, but they could show nudity. No, they were blue like movies. <laughs> yeah. I remember the blue movies. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened to those channels? Yeah. They're gone. Exactly, long gone. We used to have sex they, TV. It's long gone. Yeah, all of that stuff is mm-hmm. gone off of television. And I imagine the same thing's probably going to happen. Inter- or what, that's what they're trying to do to the internet is really clean it up, and that's right. where all of this comes from. And they're always going to say, "Save the children." You know, yeah. Save the kids. Can't expose the kids to the porn. Can't expose the kids to the escorting. Can't expose the kids to this. And and that's and like you said, rights are never taken away from you in one fell swoop. They are slowly Mm-mm. eroded bit yep. by bit by bit. And you don't, you don't notice it. Like the Cloud Act was a classic example. We're just going to slide this through on another bill, and you won't even notice what we just did. Yeah, or even going back to the Patriot Act after 9-11. Oh, yes. You you know, like now now the government says, oh, yeah, we're going to collect social media information on our citizens. And people go, oh, okay, you know, but but prior to the – Prior to the Patriot Act, that would have been ridiculous. And now we've got the NSA listening in. And it, it, mm-hmm. and people just become used to it. And people say, I would rather be safe and to know that there won't be another attack on America, so it's okay for me not to have privacy. And that's, that's where we are in this country. We're, we're giving up rights for security or to have a Something like the petition that we started pushing around, the one at whitehouse.gov, is that even worth bothering with? No, that's dead. That, it's, it's fine. There's no point. I mean, it's, oh, there's no point. I mean, what, what congressperson is going to stand up and say, we need to repeal this FOSTA? I mean, yeah. you know, that's something when you go to that's the ballots, true. and I'm completely not political, and I know you were talking about Cheeto. Um, you know, I don't really care who the president is. I care about what the laws are that are getting passed that I have to deal with. Right. Uh, and this is a bill that was bipartisan. It, it's not a Republican bill. It's not a Democratic bill. It was bipartisan, it, very much so. It was, yeah, it was completely bipartisan. So what senator or what congressperson is going to stand up and say, we need to repeal this for sex workers? No one. It's going to have to go to the courts. And unfortunately, mm. I, don't, I don't know who's going to file a challenge. I don't so know then what is anybody. the way for, for us to fight back, or do we just learn to adapt? Voting, well, I would I think, imagine, is number one. Well, I, I think adapting is, is going to be very important. But as far as fighting back, I mean, you know, to get a candidate in 2018 to take this issue up, I mean, you know, the, the sex worker outreach programs, the, the adult industry – pushing for candidates that respect free speech and respect people's personal freedoms and liberties. Um, you know, it's one of the issues that I have with Camilla Harris, who got elected in California to the Senate. This, mm-hmm. is, this is her baby. This is all her. Her fingerprints are all over this. And, right. you know, they're going to put her up to run for president probably in 2020. And this is a woman that, that will throw sex workers under the bus. But right. I know there's a lot of sex workers that hate the Republicans, that hate Trump, that hate that party, that will vote for her. 
and that to me is like you got to really look at the issues. You got to look at what they're saying. Don't go by party lines ever. You got to look at what ever. each individual person is discussing. Yeah, and and the funny part b- before I got into porn, I was in politics. I used to I used to run campaigns. I ran for office. Uh, I used to work for the governor of New Jersey, and I've met Bill and Hillary Clinton. I've met mm-hmm. a lot of top politicians. And the thing that the, the funniest thing about politicians is they never refer to themselves as Democrats or Republicans. Okay? They don't. Why? Because they're not. You know, you can have somebody who's fiscally conservative, but right. liberal when it comes to social issues. And so exactly. there's no there's no politician that is cut down the line where everything they believe in is Republican or everything they believe in is Democratic. And so they just use those titles to raise money. You know, that's the only reason to call yourself a Republican is so people will give money to you, or a Democrat so people will give money to you. So when you vote, right. you really have to look at this. And and you know, ask who's ever running from their congressional district or their state assembly or or the president. Ask them how they feel about these issues. And that is something that they should go out there. And it may suck to say, hey, I can't support this person. Even though they're a Democrat, I can't support this person because they want to take away my livelihood. They want to take away my First Amendment rights, whoever it may be. So I know you, had some you other hear questions. that. You've got to pay attention, guys. You can't just go by party lines, as we've learned. I mean, we've learned that through the whole Trump thing. That was classic. You can't, not everyone's going to be all, like you said, on all on one side or on the other. Well, Michael, I have to say thank you so much for being here. You have given us so much information. Well, uh, I wish I could get thank more. You. I mean, wait, wait, wait. Before I go, this is the one thing that I want to say to everybody. Okay? okay. I wish I could give more. But being in this type of war situation we're in, and, and what I want to warn everybody to do is keep these conversations private, okay? Try to keep them in person. Um, I'm doing this seminar in Las Vegas on Saturday, and I know a lot of people are upset that I'm not streaming it and I'm not broadcasting it over the Internet because, they're, because I want people to feel comfortable to be able to ask questions. And if those questions are put out into the world, you don't know who's going to get a hold of those questions and what information okay. we're going to give them, Okay. There's no reason to share information with the government on this. And so by putting all of this stuff on Twitter, by putting the stuff on Twitter, by putting the stuff on your website, you're, one, they're able to collect information on you. But also, you're giving them more information than they need to have. And so I really recommend to people that they forget that escorting and, and prostitution are illegal activities. And don't don't have you know public discussions about illegal activity. You, you don't see people on Twitter talking about selling drugs or robbing banks or kidnapping mm-hmm. people. And and I hate to say that, and I'm not trying to put anybody down, but you have to think of the mindset. You know, you believe what you're doing is good, and there is a lot of good in a lot of of sex workers and the services that they they provide to their clients. And we can mm-hmm. talk about that for hours. But that's not how we're looked at, and that's not how you're looked at by the federal government or by the state and local government. So remember that and keep discussions private. Meet in groups, okay? Don't even talk on, on the phone. Don't, don't use Internet voice over protocols, okay? Or direct voice messaging, over anything like that. 
yeah, I mean, really sensitive information should only be shared person to person in groups. Keep it private, too much information. Very, very good piece of advice. Can anybody still get in on the seminar? Uh, yeah, tonight, well, tomorrow would be the last day because i got to do, I'm going to send out an email tomorrow to confirm. I've got over 50 people that are interested. I've turned away. Um, I've limited it just to escorts. I've had people who want who were performers, but that, they weren't escorts. And I, I really just want to focus on the the issues of escorts, and I want them to feel comfortable. So it's only going to be escorts. Um, I hope everybody who signed up originally comes, but I'm thinking that there may be 25 or 30 people there. I'm hoping I get 50 or 60. But yeah, if if you want to come, then email me. You know, go to my website, Adult Biz Law. Dot com. There's a sign-up sheet there. Email me, and I'll add you to the list. Now, I am going to screen everybody, so if you have to show me that you're an escort, and we're going to have security there on Saturday to make sure no one comes in who isn't an escort, who isn't on the attendee list. And I really want, I, I really want the women, and I think I've got two guys, and I've got a couple of transsexuals that are coming. I really want them to feel comfortable being there and knowing that they're in a group of like-minded individuals who all have the same concerns and issues and worries, and they don't have to worry about speaking freely. That's a wonderful thing you're doing, Michael. Thank you so much for helping out. Wait, and wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, you got wait. more? Yay. Well, I mean, I, I, I want to throw this out there to anybody who's listening. This is a completely free seminar. I'm donating my time. Okay, This is going to be a four- to five-hour seminar. But I'm willing to go to other cities to do this. Okay, I may, I may have to go to Phoenix to see a client um, on the adult side not related to FOSTA. So I may set something up in Phoenix. I know there's a woman that wants to bring me to Dallas to do one in Dallas. Um, there's another woman who was thinking about bringing me to Philadelphia. I'm fine traveling and doing these seminars. I'm not going to charge anybody, but somebody has to cover the cost. That's all I ask. Right. So, you know, I'm I'm losing billing. That's something, you know what, get a group billing. of women together and everybody chip in and get them there. I think that would be a great idea. That's the idea. Like if, if, if you can get 20 or 30 women together and they can contribute 50 or $75 a piece, I know things are not easy right now, but Trust me when I say it, that's a lot cheaper than, than hiring a local attorney to do a consult mm-hmm. on this. And, and, and most local attorneys that handle prostitution cases are criminal defense attorneys. They may not know about FOSTA. They may not know about the Cloud Act. The, the Cloud Act. They'll, they'll know prostitution in your state, but they're not going to know the bigger issues. Exactly. So you guys seriously get together, get little pools together. And Mr. Federosi is more than happy to come and talk to each, wherever you guys want him to go. He'll go. So head well, up to adultbizlaw.com for sure, because Michael has a ton of information on there as well. Yes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it, and hopefully we'll have you back on again. Maybe with better circumstances. That would be nice. Well, on Twitter, at PornLaw. So if anybody's listening, they don't follow me, and they want to ask me a question, at PornLaw. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Okay, guys. That was Michael Federosi, and we are so, so glad he came in to clear up a lot of what's 
been bugging everybody. Unfortunately, the news isn't altogether that terrific, but you're going to have to, as far as I'm concerned, and you guys aren't going to like what I have to say about this, but we've been playing fast and loose for a long time. And any time that happens, you're going to get smacked down. And this is exactly what's happening. Sex has been marginalized and persecuted for millennia. This is just yet another smackdown. We will carry on. The industry will carry on. But you just got to use your head and start thinking exactly what Michael said. I think for a long time, like I said, we all kind of got a little fast and loose. Everything was really kind of oh, well, you know, we don't have to worry about it, and we're online, and everything's cool, and nobody's going to bother us because, well, the Internet's a big Wild West, like you said. You know that at some point someone's going to slap that down, and that's exactly what's happened. So if you're going to protect your online business, I'm going to suggest the following. Number one, back up everything to an external hard drive. Get off the cloud. I don't care what cloud it is. Get off the cloud finally can listen to Rolling Stones again with a new meaning. Um, Stop using... Okay, I don't know how to get this through your heads because I see this constantly. And this is what causes problems, you guys. Stop using PayPal, Venmo, GoFundMe, which I'm sorry, to me that's disgusting. Um, You're using these vanilla platforms. And like I said, when I say fast and loose, you guys are out there actually saying, hey, PayPal me. That was never an adult-friendly site. So you've got to use your head. On FOSTA Updates, which is that new site that I just put out, I have a full list of everybody who is not friendly. And if you are using those services, you are doing so at your own risk, And I have heard of many women having a ton of their accounts shut down. So, and and understand something. Any money that is in those accounts, for example, PayPal, you got a couple grand sitting in PayPal? Not anymore. They shut you down, they take your money, and you're not going to get it back. Classic example, and that, that leads me right into don't leave your money in these accounts. If you have money in PayPal, get it out, put it in your bank. It's not yours until it's in your bank. Things like classic example, First Choice, when First Choice Pay lost their bank when all this went down not that long ago. There was a bunch of women who may or may not get their money out of First Choice now. You know, if if your card happened to work and you were able to get it out, great. But don't let money sit in these accounts ever. Get it off the accounts. Pull it out, move it, do whatever you can. Go buy, you know, gas, whatever you got to do. But don't leave the money on the accounts because it's too uncertain right now. You don't know what's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Um, Twitter shadow banning. This has been coming up quite a bit. Well, Twitter shadow bans adult accounts. Let me tell you something. Twitter, this is logic again, guys. You want to know what usually gets you shadow banned? That's, again, posting porn pics and you haven't marked your account as sensitive. Think of it this way. Twitter and Switter are both run on public platforms. Well, we don't want a 12-year-old looking at, you know, Jim's penis. Sorry, Jim, it's ugly. 
Anyways, the point is, it's their way of protecting people who don't want to look at it. So a lot of times you might be shadow banned because you forgot to tick off on your settings that your stuff is adult. Now, the problem with doing that, I will admit, is that you kind of get buried, only that you don't come up in search results when you are marked as adult. I get it. Everybody's like, well, if I do that, then I'm not going to get any traffic. Don't go down that road. Again, you're, pay- you're, you're playing loose. Don't do it. If you're on either of these platforms, there's a reason why you should have your stuff marked as private. Just do it, and you're not going to have the hassle. Um, Instagram is another one. Instagram was never meant for any kind of online sex work. So if you're on Instagram posting nudies, you are going to get shut down. It's just the way it is. But the thing is, if you guys learn to play within the rules of these sites, you can still use them. Just don't be naked. Use your head. Like, for example, um, you have no problem, right? Do you have a – this might sound weird, but you don't have a problem on Instagram, do you? Well, can everybody hear me? Yeah, you're fine. Sorry. So, yeah, like my story began on Instagram, and – I've always posted tasteful photos. Now, I'm not saying that when you're doing no nude photos or pornographic photos, they're not tasteful. It's up to you. Everybody's different. Art is art. But I don't show my holes other than what's on my face <laughs> because I know that these guys are not adult-friendly, and they never were. Plus, I know that there are small children on these sites, and I'm sorry, I don't want little Jimmy looking at my vagina. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's disgusting. So, like you said, use it properly. Nothing will happen. Therefore, like I'm doing, nothing's happened. Yeah, like you've been fine. Your sites haven't been shut down. My stuff has not been shut down. Again, I don't close. um, I I shouldn't say I don't post any nudies. I don't do because that's not what I do, obviously. Now, I do. There are the odd nudes I do, but I'm covered up in pasties or I have it extremely photoshopped that you don't see anything too crude. Right. So you but can get it tasteful. It. It's still tasteful and they're still okay with it. It's it's odd. It's you got to be you get, like that guy said. You you got to think the way that the government is thinking literally. So you got to play the game. As yes. much as you guys may or may not want to play the game, we've got to play the game right now. So you can get pissed off and you can say, well, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair, all you want. You're not going to change anything by stamping your feet. I'm sorry. So if you're going to play on the vanilla platforms, just play within the rules. Don't post anything naked. Don't, you know, go soliciting anything. It's basically just to get your face out there. It doesn't mean you can't use them, but you use them smart. That's all. And understand, here's another thing. Assume right now that everything you read is bullshit for the next little while. Let me tell you why. During the melee of the last two weeks, there were many bogus emails that went out saying, oh, so-and-so's platform's going down, come over to ours. This is the kind of mentality that we're in right now because as soon as you cause fear, people prey on that. So don't assume anything. Don't assume that an email you're getting is correct. 
corroborate it. If you get something like that, let me know. I'm more than happy to check back and find out if it's real or if this is all crap again. This is going to happen constantly right now because of the atmosphere that we're in. So just, it's called being vigilant. You've got to keep an eye on everything that's going on. As Mr. Faderosi said, do not have any kind of escort questions online at all. Don't talk about it at all. I realize that sucks. But as, if you know, you, like I said, you can get pissed off and stamp your feet all you want. It's not going to change anything. So you're better off, you know, toeing the line, unfortunately, and learning how to play within these rules for right now. We need to protect ourselves, and that's how you do it. Um, if you're so concerned, this is another, this is my last point. If you are so concerned that someone may find out that you're in this industry, you need to rethink being in it in the first place. You have to understand that once something is on the Internet, it's there forever. You can't get it back. You can't delete it. It's there. And trying to live a dual life is super, super hard to do. So we are going to be back with birthdays and DomCon and the amazing Barrymore in just a couple of minutes. This message is for Flirts on Night Flirt who would like to have exclusively designed listings but don't know how to code. My name is Robin Wildheart and I've been active on Night Flirt since 2008. Back when I started, I didn't know anyone who did coding for flirts, so I learned how to do it myself. Now I provide a service that does all the coding for you. Just send me a message and I'll explain how easy and affordable it is to get all your coding done for you. Stop worrying and get fast, friendly service. Satisfaction guaranteed. You won't make any payments until you're completely satisfied with how your listing looks. Get in touch with Robin Wildheart on Nightflirt, Twitter, or FetLife. The sooner you send me that message, the sooner you'll get that attention-grabbing listing. Essentially hypnotic. You can feel it already. Essentially hypnotic. You can feel it Are you ready to drop down to your knees at the feet of an alluring and sensual goddess? Do you dream, do you dream dominated by a powerful domino? A domino that will take control of your secret desires and fetishes. Would you like to experience deep entrancement? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, visit me, Goddess Belia at www.dominabrandelia.com or visit my other media portals designed to titillate the senses at hypnoticlea on Twitter. So sensually hypnotic, you can feel it already. already. So sensually hypnotic, you can feel it. 
looking for a good mind fuck. That's my specialty. I love twisting and turning boys and wrapping them around my little finger. What I do is, I take time to get to know you on a level that you may not have experienced before. At first it's subtle, and then we get a little deeper and a little darker. I get under your skin and I get in your head, and before you know it, you're craving me. You're craving the things that I offer you on a level that has begun to keep you awake at night. I know, it's a little scary. Who am I? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. I'm Mistress Peyton. Peyton will break you? The sensual domination mistress, and you? You can find me at sensualdominationmistress.com. Talk soon, naughty one. Woohoo! We got birthdays. We got birthdays. But you know what I got to say? First of all, I got to say hi to Angela St. Lawrence because she felt sad because she wasn't included. But really, it was just DomCon and birthdays. You you weren't included because you're not going. Anyways, and because during birthdays, I have decided that Amberly has to do a sprint since she always listens to it while she's listens to this while she is in the gym. You have to sprint while we're doing birthdays. That's just something I've decided. Da 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 da. Okay. Who we got? We've got Goddess Belladonna had a birthday on April the 8th. Evil Opal had a birthday on April the 11th. Mistress Evelyn was April the 12th. Goddess Black Diamond was yesterday, April the 16th. Our very own Kimmy Kaboom is April the 22nd. Madam V is April the 24th. And we also have Mistress Katya on May the 16th, and Lady Zavialun on May the 14th. So happy birthday, ladies. Make sure you head over to InBedWithDrSue.com, and you can look under birthdays and see which goddesses' birthdays are coming up. So you don't want to miss that. Okay, stop that now. Hee <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to our list of gorgeous ladies who are going to be at DomCon, May 9th to the 13th in Los Angeles at the Hilton Hotel at the LAX, at LAX. Um, Be sure to head up to InBedWithDrSue.com, click on DomCon LA 2018, and you will see our list and all the links for you to be able to book sessions with these beautiful ladies while they're in town. So the first one we have, of course, is our Mistress of Ceremonies at this year's convention, Mistress Mia Dark, along with our second Mistress of Ceremonies, Miss Sadie Sin. We also have Goddess Lilith, Jordan Kay, Mistress Tissa, Lady Sophia, Mistress Eva, Mistress Belle Kay, Goddess Sydney Jones, Lucy Ballbuster, Madame Navia O'Kink, she Controls, Mistress Chloe Rose, Mistress Katya, Goddess Sadie Hawkins, Ms. Charmness, and Goddess Virgin. So remember, if you guys want to get in and get a session while they are in L.A., make sure you hit up InBedWithDrSue.com, click on DomCon L.A., and book your session with these beautiful ladies. But if you wait, remember, you guys, last minute equals limp dicks. You are not going to get in if you leave it to the last minute. So, this leads us to a fantastic segment that we're obviously going to need now more than ever. 
simply because of the fact that we seem to be having erotica being suppressed everywhere, we're going to need Dr. Sue's Erotic Book Club more than ever. Um, you are about to hear my interview with Barry Moore, who wrote the book Foggy Bottom. I'm telling you, you guys are going to love him. He's fantastic. And he's also been kind enough to do an excerpt for us, so you're also going to hear an excerpt from the book that's really, really steamy. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Barry Moore. I would like to welcome to the show Barry Moore. He is an erotic author who describes himself as a pseudonymous memoirist, kink dabbler, and literary smut enthusiast. But what people probably don't know is you're already a best-selling author, and we're dying to know about Foggy Bottom. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been uh, I've been writing for obviously for a very long time, and as not Barrymore, I have a couple of books out that have done. Uh, I hesitate to say well, but not unwell. Uh, but I've always had this sort of background in, in uh, shadowy, kinky kind of stuff that uh, I wouldn't say that I'm closeted, but it isn't something that's completely out there. Mm -hmm. And I wrote originally, years ago, a novel that was basically an S&M novel. I thought, oh, you know, there's never really been a great S&M book that, that portrays this, and I wanted to write like a BDSM Lolita kind of thing. And I thought, I know there's a market for this. And I wrote it, and my agent thought it was good, and then we could not sell it. And then I think two years after that, Fifty Shades came out, proving my theory that there needed to be a, a – that there was a market, but I was not able to capitalize on it. And in retrospect, and in hindsight, rather, I think it, it worked out fine because the book wasn't very good. But I've always tried to kind of come back to it in my writing, this, this background that I have and how to convey the experiences that I've had limited though they may be in the scene. And uh, I had written this kind of thing that was a, uh, an autobiographical look at a summer that I spent in Washington, D.C. And I always liked it. And I, I, it wasn't long enough to be a novel. It wasn't short enough to be a short story. And I decided that I would publish it under a pen name, which is Barrymore is my pen name, and just see what happens. And I, I was always very fond of it. I was fond of this particular story. And that story is what Foggy Bottom is. You say it's somewhat autobiographical, so then you've taken some stuff and have, have sort of fictionalized part of it. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's I, – I, I don't think it's safe to call it exactly a memoir, but it's not completely fictional either. What's interesting is I started writing this a long time ago, and in the, some of the parts of it I honestly can't remember if they're, if they're true or not at this point because I've lived in them in my head for so long that I'm quite <laughs> certain that they happened, even though I honestly couldn't tell you one way or the other if they did. And uh, I think if you read the book, you'll probably not be able to guess which parts are true and which parts aren't. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. But the spirit of the thing is certainly true and autobiographical. And I envision this to be the first in a, in a sort of series of things that get more and more kinky, I guess, for want of a better word, as they go along. If this is somewhat autobiographical, give us a little bit of a scoop on the book. Is the main character a submissive male, a dominant male? How does this sort of unravel? 
Well, he's basically bumbling, I think, is the, is the first thing. He doesn't exactly know what he is at this point. You know, he has these, these submissive inklings, which I did at the time and do, but he doesn't know how to, you know, this is in 1994 before the Internet really is, is hit. And uh, so he doesn't know where, how to go about finding other people. And when, when situations present themselves, he takes advantage of them. And at the beginning of the book, he winds up with this woman who is uh, herself kind of submissive and wants to be dominated by him, which he does, but it's not really his role. So again, he sort of bumbles around D.C. and has some interesting experiences. And in the book, he meets this woman at a bar who turns out to be very much a dom, and he kind of messes that up a little bit. So that's what it is. It's, I don't want to give too much away. That's basically no, what but it's you about. want to be able to sink your teeth into it. And I will tell you that I did read it, and it is. You have some really funny moments. It's the bumbling that makes it real, because a lot <laughs> of people go through that. A lot of people, especially back then, like you said, when there was no internet, you really BDSM was so underground that you you know it was hard to find people. So I thought that's what made it extremely real, and I think that's what's going to connect with especially a lot of submissive male readers, they're going to understand that. Well, thank you. I mean, I hope so. I mean, that's, you know, ultimately that's the, that's the, the desire that I have to write is to share the experiences and hope that people will read it and identify with it and kind of say, oh, yeah, that, I, that makes sense. I get this. I try to be funny. I mean, some of, the, some of the stuff is funny. I think at the time, this is something that I've learned now that I'm much older, is that at the time, what I thought was really, really serious turns out to be very campy and funny. And I wasn't old enough when I was 22 or whatever to really appreciate the humor in all of this stuff. And now I can, I can kind of look back and say, oh, this is funny. You know, this is pretty funny. But yeah, at the time, at the time was, it wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> you I been was like, terrified <laughs> at the time. I, I, um, I went to a, a sex club in New York, the Hellfire Club, when it was still in the, uh, the meatpacking district. And I, the amount of courage that it took me to go do this when I was 25 and it was fantastic. You know, at the time, again, I thought, oh, this is so serious and the people are going to be serious. And, and afterwards, I'm like, that was really funny. You know, there's so many funny <laughs> things that happened in yeah. the place. The guy shows up, at, you know, the dominant woman is there about to light her cigarette. And this guy shows up with a cigarette lighter and he's wearing no clothes. He's got no clothes on at all, except for Tiva's on his feet. He's totally naked. And I'm like, where did the cigarette lighter come from? I mean, he's got no pockets, you know. How did he make that happen? <laughs> we don't want to know where he was hiding that lighter. Seriously, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> not somewhere. But I try to, I try to, you know, put the humor into the into these situations. And and when you're so young and desperate to make connections with people, as I was, and I think that good people are, uh, you know, the humor kind of eludes you at the time. Well, because Thank it's a very you for overwhelming the, world. That's why. Yeah. It's an overwhelming yeah. world back then more so because it was so closeted. So yes. like you said, before you'd go into the club, you'd be like, <gasps> like, oh, my God, what am I walking into? Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It, it, totally because it was so taboo. Now yeah, it's so out in the open, it's nothing. No, now it's, it's forget about it. I mean, now Fifty Shades is this huge, you know, bestseller and, and uh, it's literary merit. We won't now but the, the, the uh, I'll tell you a story when I was in uh, I think I was in eighth eighth grade or seventh grade or something and I was homesick from school and I had these feelings back then and I didn't know anything about them and I was watching MTV 
and there was a video on and the video in my mind the band was called dominatrix and the song was called dominatrix tonight which i misremembered and it's actually the dominatrix sleeps tonight and i watched this video and it's basically this woman in sexy leather get up and these guys around her and i my mouth hit the floor and i was like what is this and then I, I, I couldn't find it. Nobody had heard of it. Nobody had seen it. I couldn't find the record anywhere. You couldn't replay it. And I found out years later that that video only aired once on MTV. Once. And wow. I saw and it. And you saw it. That's and I saw it. I was like, it was like it was delivered to me from some sort of kink gob, you know. <laughs> Pop culture has a way of sliding in there. It really does. It does. If you know what to look for with S&M stuff, I mean, you see it everywhere, of course. You know, you, you can go back to Shakespeare and to uh, Joyce and all these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's all there. In the Bible, good God. <laughs> like, Samson and Delilah, come on. Uh, <laughs> well, Barrymore, I want to thank you very much for sharing this book with us. We'll also be hearing an excerpt from the book, as told by Barrymore himself, which you're going to hear right now. It was hot that night, par for the course in the malarial D.C. summer, so she wasn't wearing much. White camisole, white bra, short shorts, and I tore her clothes off so quickly I broke the fastener on the bra. Then I did something I hadn't planned, something that didn't even cross my mind until I found myself doing it. I unrolled the extension cord, which was thin and brown and maybe 20 feet long, and I took her tiny wrists and I wrapped the cord around it tight. And then I pulled it behind her back, and then I did the same with the other wrist. And I wrapped the cord around both wrists, and then the rest of her upper body, so her arms were secured behind her back. She could have broken free if she wanted to, but she didn't want to. No, the mischievous glint in her eye went supernova. She was drunk on desire. I kissed her again, violently, and again she gasped with what I hoped, and what I knew was pleasure. And I threw her on the bed, face down. I smacked her ass, gently more for shock value than anything else, and spread her legs, and when I traced my fingertips around her pussy to see if I should lick my fingers before inserting them, found that she was already puddling desire. I put two fingers in, then four, and after a few slow, exploratory thrusts, balled my fingers into a fist. Never done that before to her, or to anyone. I don't know why the urge came over me, but I did it. The noises she made then were otherworldly. She came almost immediately, which surprised me, and she begged me to take her, to take her raw, something else I'd never done before. With her or anyone, even the presumed love of my life who dumped me the year before, part of me wanted to deny her for the jolt of pure power that cruel act might supply. Part of me wanted to tell her, cannot have my precious cocky whore, for you it's the fist or nothing. But she was on the pill, or claimed to be, and I didn't have a rubber within arm's reach, and I didn't want to lose one of the more satisfying hard-ons my body has ever produced, and she was begging in the same way that actresses in slasher fix beseech the villain to spare me, please let me live, please let me live, practically in tears, and most of all I wanted to feel what I'd never felt before. I wanted my cock, which did not thrill to the deadening carapace of non-oxenob latex, to know the exquisite tactile pleasure of dripping wet cunt. So I did what she wanted. Ooh! Now that was some hot, foggy bottom. So, if you want to pick up Foggy Bottom, I suggest you go to In Bed with Dr. Sue, look at the show page for the FOSTA-SESTA Fallout Show, 
And you will find a link to Foggy Bottom right there. And, of course, it's available on Amazon. On the next show, on May the 15th, we will be discussing smoking fetish with Ashley Jill. Yes. Indeed. God, Indubitably. you're so loud. Sorry. <laughs> and on June 12th, we will be discussing race play with Mia Dark and Master Blackrod. When does race play spill over to racism? It's an explosive subject that you won't want to miss. And in the meantime, be sure to hit up InBedWithDrSue.com for all of our past shows, or you can also download it from iTunes. You can read all of my articles on TheDrSueReview.com and also at KinkyMag.com. And, of course, keep an eye out on FostaUpdates.com. It's only run by little old me, so despite the rumors, it's just me. It's not pretty right now, but it's going to get the whole pile of information very shortly. So it does have all the lists and everything up that were up before. So all your information's there. Um, thank you, Ashley Jill, who can you can check her out at AshleyJill.net, and of course on the next show. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, I want to thank each of you for calling in. I know you guys didn't think anyone was. There's actually a whole pile of people who were listening in on the lines. And thank you for sharing everybody in the chat room. There was all kinds of people in chat room, Sir Beast, Bella, um, Ryan. God, there was all kinds of people in there. And you guys got to know, without all of you, there is no show. So know that. This has been a very trying couple of weeks. And as I said at the start of the show, I think this is just the start. Um, I have spent hours compiling and vetting information to help all of us through this with some semblance of normalcy and hopefully to cut down on the rumor and the fear. I want to thank very much Night Flirt, I Want Clips, Many Vids, Hogspy, and all the others for reassuring their performers and their customers alike that they are fine. This helps quell rumor, and we appreciate it more than you know. You guys, I, I honestly don't think this is, I know it seems really horrible right now, and honestly, if it, if you're an escort, yeah, it, it, you're really hitting, it's hitting hard. In the long run, I don't want you guys becoming frozen from fear. The whole point is you need to grind and move forward. But you've got to do it smart. That's all. No more whipping out PayPal's and, you know, gift rockets and everything else, because you're not supposed to be on them. And if you are going to use them, you're obviously going to have to do so very quietly. Understand that you are being watched, that you are being controlled. But in the long run, what I'm, I'm going to try and put a little ray of sunshine on all of this, it hopefully will clean out some of the online bottom feeders. Hopefully it will clean things up a little bit. So there will be less bottom feeders because they all got scared and ran away. So here's hoping that some of the, you know, everybody kind of looks at their business models and things start cleaning up a little bit and being run a little bit more professionally, which means you've got to run your business as a business. So don't think that all of this is all gloom and doom. We'll come out of it. Everything's going to be fine. But just understand I am not your enemy. I'm your ally. No matter where you fall in the spectrum of our work, 
no matter what gender you identify with, no matter who you are, I will always try and help you in any way that I can. Attacking me may knock me off center for a bit, but trust me, I don't cave. I only come back stronger. To everyone who has contacted me, actually this past weekend, especially with their kind words of encouragement, I am forever grateful to you guys. I'm not a rich person. This show doesn't make me money. It costs me money. But educating you guys, to me, is important because the more we understand, the more we can accept. And by shining the light on subjects that make other people uncomfortable, we all win because nothing's scary once you shine the light of understanding on it. My friends and listeners, I urge you to do everything you can to stop the erosion of your rights because this is happening in more than just the United States, as Michael said. It's happening in Britain, it's happening in France, it's happening everywhere. And if you turn a blind eye to it now, you may be faced with nothing to turn a blind eye to in the future. I urge you to write your congressman, but more so find out who they are, find out what their platform is and how they feel on having your rights taken away. Remember, this is an election year, so get out and vote, but find out who you're voting for. Show them that you won't allow your rights to be taken from you. Read who voted for these bills and get them out of office. We will always be marginalized unless we stop and say we will not be silenced. Be brave, be safe, be vigilant. Don't give in to fear, but most of all, Be happy and keep being you. Until next time, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.